This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I thought it would be fun today for me to share some of my memories of the team's inaugural season, and I thought it would be a good start to go way back to the introduction of the franchise uh, with Don Garber and owner Arthur Blank way back in April of 2014. I can remember asking someone a few weeks before the actual announcement, is there any chance this is going to come out uh, after spring break? Because I promised my kids that we were going to go to Destin that week. I was covering the Masters, and they went on spring break uh, with some other folks. And they said, nope, no chance that's going to happen. And then, of course, we get to the Masters, and I get a tip. Hey, this announcement might come out next week. I had to cancel our trip. That's okay. It turned out well. We went later that summer. But that was kind of the first... Of the, of the memories of what the team was actually started. And then we kind of went going on from there. We had Darren Eels being hired. And I can remember everyone was wondering who's going to be the president, who's going to be the, the GM or technical director. It never occurred to me in a million years that it would be a guy working for one of the top five, six clubs in the Premier League uh, who would come and lead the franchise. I vastly underestimated what his plan was. I assumed it was going to be Similar to other expansion teams that we've seen in other leagues in North America, acquiring a bunch of players that maybe just didn't fit with the teams they were on and trying to mesh them together and form a roster and and develop a playing style. And, of course, the team went the exact opposite. Uh, From some big-name signings early, such as Kenwin Jones, to the biggest-name signing, Gerardo Martino, in uh, November or October, I forget which one, of 2016. His introduction at the World of Coke, uh, someone with a franchise and I were laughing the other day that they vastly underestimated the interest in Martino's first press conference. Uh, it was a smallish kind of room. It was packed to the gills of media from Atlanta, uh, some of the Latin American media from places, Telemundo, uh, Mundo Hispanico, all those places, uh, came to see Gerardo Martino, formerly the manager of Barcelona and Argentina. So that was another kind of fun memory. He was, uh, you know, he was in good spirits then. You always assume that Whenever the coach is hired, his first press conference, he's going to be in good spirits. I kind of wondered how long that was going to last, uh, but it lasted throughout the season. He turned out to be just a pleasure to interview uh, almost after every game, after every practice. Uh, He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, But anyway, then came the actual name. Well, actually, the name came before Gerardo Martino. Uh, The team had tried to closely guard that for a long time. It got out. Brian Strauss of Sports Illustrated was the first to report that. 
Uh, I came in second, unfortunately. I never like being second, but that's just kind of how it goes. Um, then the jersey unveiling at the Tabernacle. The name, of course, was attended by a few thousand people at I think the place called, called the Compound in the West End. Uh, fantastic place if you're a young person and want to go out and have some fun. Uh, and then came the jersey unveiling at the Tabernacle. That didn't quite go off uh, as efficiently as the name unveiling. Apparently, there was a... Uh, a change in something inside the building and the fire marshals had to come in. That's why we were all kind of hanging out in front of the building for a long time before they could let us in and, and unveil the jerseys. Uh, another funny thing about that night that I can share now, um, as we were waiting up in the media room um, for the actual ceremony, someone had left sitting around uh, a description of the actual jersey, uh, the colors and what they mean and everything. No one took advantage of that, but it was kind of sitting there and, and we kind of got a laugh out of it. I don't know who left it, uh, but it wasn't supposed to be there. But anyway, that's kind of fun now. Uh, and, you know, any of us, I guess, could have used it and broke what the jersey was going to be before the team announced it, but we didn't feel that was accurate operating in good faith uh, because it was a mistake. Anyway, let's move on to the season. I've shared this story many, many times. Um, the very first game, March 5th, New York Red Bulls. I had interviewed Alexi Lawless at the Marriott Marquis downtown, and I was just going to take an Uber uh, from the hotel to Bobby Dodge Stadium. I'd already parked there and had taken an Uber from uh, Georgia Tech uh, to the Marquis. Interviewed Alexi, which turned out to be a great interview. He and I go way back. Um, well, indirectly go way back. And so I walked out of the hotel and I was trying to signal for an Uber and I checked my phone and it was going to be like a 45 minute wait, which I could not understand. Uh, I don't know if it had something to do with the soccer game. I, I can't imagine that it did. Atlanta's used to having big events, but whatever. So I decided I would just walk from the Marriott Marquis to Bobby Dodge Stadium. So I'm walking and I'm walking and as I approach the varsity, I could see more and more Atlanta United fans getting off of North Avenue there, the Marta Station, getting off the Art Station, Marta Station, and walking toward the varsity. And then I get to the tailgating lot of the varsity and it was unlike anything that I've ever seen. Everybody was wearing some sort of piece of Atlanta United gear. You couldn't walk. It was so crowded. You had to keep your elbows in. I had my backpack on, bumping into people. It was insane. Um, that was kind of my first clue. You, you've heard the numbers, the season ticket sales. You know, they were like past 25, I think, at that point. They hadn't surpassed 30. My memory's a little fuzzy on some of this stuff, so just bear with me. Um, but that was my first clue that something different was happening with this franchise than, than what I expected. I thought it was going to be successful. I underestimated how successful it was going to be. Uh, and a lot of that is due to y'all, the, the fans, the people who, who both follow the team, buy the tickets, uh, read all the stories, subscribe to the podcast, all that. And I thank you for that. Um, so I walked from the varsity to the game. The game, of course, everybody knows what happened. Uh, Tyrone Mears put in the cross. Shamil Asad scored that very first goal the very first goal in Atlanta United history will go down uh, in all times. There's pictures of it in different places. Uh, the Red Bulls were able to come back uh, and win 2-1, to one, but so it goes. So then the next game uh, was the battle of the two expansion franchises, Atlanta United at Minnesota United. I'd only been to Minneapolis one time in my life uh, for Associated Press Sports Editors Convention many, many years ago. Got there, great city, 
Weather was a little bit cold that morning, but there was no tip-off as to what was going to happen. Got to uh, the stadium on University of uh, Minnesota, great campus, beautiful campus, beautiful football stadium. Got to the game, the temperature started dropping a little bit more. You could see flurries. And so I started taking different time-lapse photos uh, inside the stadium to see what was going on. By halftime, of course, I couldn't see the other side of the stadium. Uh, the snow was so thick. Um, it, it, the temperature was so cold. Atlanta United, of course, ran away with a 6-1 win. Joseph Martinez with a hat trick. Uh, I couldn't see the other end of the field by the end of the game. In the locker room after the game, Joseph Martinez was sitting there and just shaking and shaking and shaking. He could not stop shivering. And I can remember asking somebody what happened. And the TV people wanted to interview him after the game. And as part of the interview, for some reason, they wanted him to take all of his winter gear off. So he had to stand there in his jersey again and wait on the interview and the TV. So when he came back in, he was just frozen. Uh, so that's another kind of odd memory. Uh, Atlanta United came back home against Chicago. Saw a red card against Chicago in the first half. Atlanta United blitzed them 4 to nothing. Martinez with two more goals, giving him five in the first three games. I didn't get to go to the next game at Seattle. Uh, it was a 10 o'clock Friday night, which does the paper no good, which doesn't do us a whole lot of good online, so I skipped that one. I missed the next game at Toronto. Atlanta United tied the Seattle game 0-0. Uh, I missed the next game at Toronto because I was covering the Masters. You can never complain about covering the Masters. I watched it 2-2 draw, two goals by Viaba, and that one uh, secured the draw. Another indication that something good was kind of happening with this team. Uh, then they went to Montreal. This was one of my least favorite road trips of the season. I was really looking forward to it, but it was one of those where I flew in uh, the day of the game, flew out the next morning. I had gambled that the game was going to be at least a 4 o'clock or 7 o'clock start. Instead, it was a 1 o'clock start. The guys from Montreal said they can't remember the last time they had a 1 o'clock start. So I was late to the game. The working conditions, there were a lot of journalists there, more journalists than I think I've seen at any other road game this season. Uh, so we were all cramped in and everything. Of course, the red card to Leandro Gonzalez Perez that was it was a bad call it was later rescinded but it ended up costing Atlanta United the result two to one uh, off the penalty kick related to that penalty uh, on Gonzalez Perez and then kind of a lucky goal by Jackson Hamill that was a deflection uh, past Alec Can. Um, the next game was at Real Salt Lake. The night before, I had played tennis uh, for the first time in a long time. I was losing 40 to nothing, which is no surprise. And as I went to chase down a lob, I uh, sprained a tendon on the top of my foot. It being a Friday night, I did not want to go to the emergency room because just a few weeks ago, before that, my son had sprained a thumb and the hospital here in Douglasville sent me a bill for $2,000. Even though we were there for less than two hours, he saw the doctor for less than 15 minutes, and all he got was a gauze and a plastic splint, $2,000. So there was no way I was going to another hospital, regardless of what was going on. Went and bought a compression sleeve, put that on, hobbling around the airport. I couldn't put any weight on my left foot. Hobbling around Salt Lake City. Uh, go to Rio Tinto Stadium, which is a beautiful stadium. I hope you all get a chance to go there at some point uh, with the mountains in the background. Atlanta United, of course, won 3-1. 
came back home, D.C. United. The best 20 minutes Atlanta United has played all season came in the opening of this game, but they could not score. Bill Hamid stood on his head, stopped everything Atlanta United did over and over and over again. D.C. United beat them on a counterattack, beat them again on a counterattack, and ended up pulling out a 3-1 win, which is a foreshadowing of the problems the five stripes are going to have beating D.C. United, arguably the worst team in the league this season. Then they go to New York City, which began my hatred of New York City and its, uh, not the staff at New York City, they're all perfectly fine, but the security people, because as I was walking into the stadium, one of the security guards grabbed my bag and just started ripping all the tags off. We get tags on our bags every time we go through security anywhere we go, and I had tags for years of all these places I've been, all these events I had covered, and this guy named Joel, according to his name tag, ripped them all off, didn't even ask me, didn't say sorry, nothing. It was quite of a butt about it. And uh, so that put me in a bad mood from the get-go. Atlanta United lost 3-1. Uh, it was one of their worst performances of the season, playing on that silly, should-be-outlawed-size pitch at Yankee Stadium. The team bounced back, went to Portland, another fantastic road trip if you've never gotten to go to Portland. Uh, Powell's Bookstore is fantastic, great donut shops, great beer, uh, just a wonderful city, a fantastic stadium, great supporters. Atlanta United said they were going to kind of get back to basics, get back to being more patient. Uh, Julian Russell scored in that game, and they pulled out a tie 1-1, a good result, all things considered. But they were still eighth in the East. Then they came back home and just destroyed Houston 4-1. Uh, the Dynamo were never in the game. Their goal came in the 90th minute. Uh, fantastic performance. Almiron with a hat trick. He was a little bit hard on himself, and, and other people were hard on him too after the Portland game because he had a few chances to shoot, and he just wouldn't shoot. Well, he shot in the Houston game with that hat trick. Uh, the team hosted New York City FC next. Bounced back, won that 3-1. Two more goals from Almiron. Uh, one from Viaba to, to take out those guys. Then they went to Vancouver. Once again, another beautiful city, another beautiful stadium. Uh, Atlanta United just could not solve set-piece issues. Kendall Waston had a hand in all three goals. Atlanta United lost again, 3-1, to one, stayed in eighth. Then they went to Chicago. Uh, this was Joseph Martinez's return to the lineup. I believe this was his return to the lineup after missing 10 games uh, with his thigh injury that he suffered while on national team duty with Venezuela. Uh, they lost 3-1 to one there, staying in eighth. Things aren't good at this point. Go to, uh, I'm sorry, go to Chicago, lost uh, two to nothing. Things aren't good at this point. Really just did not play well. Seemed to have a hangover from the Vancouver game. Couldn't get anything going on offense. Uh, but came back home, hosted Columbus, a team that Atlanta United had a lot of respect for going back to the Charleston tournament. I love Charleston, by the way. Um, Ended up beating Columbus 3-1. to one. It was an iffy, odd kind of game. It was one of those games that Atlanta had played all season in which either team could have been ahead 3 to nothing or tied 3-3. Three to three. So many goal-scoring opportunities, but Atlanta United took advantage of theirs and won 3 to nothing. Then they go to D.C. United, my first trip to RFK since I took my dad to see a soccer game there for his birthday a long time ago against Dallas, uh, back when they had Toya, I think, for Dallas. Uh, lost 2-1. to one. Just a horrible, arguably their worst performance of the season uh, in that 2-1 loss. Uh, they were stayed in 7th in the East at that point. Came back home, beat Colorado, one to nothing on a goal by Joseph Martinez. Went to Columbus, uh, another uh, nice little city. Uh, won 2-0. Alec Can with an assist on a Hector Viaba goal. Could have had a second one. Joseph Martinez couldn't put it in. But that was an interesting situation. 
They are two to one, but things are starting to turn a little bit for Atlanta United. They move it up to fifth. Came home, hosted San Jose. Uh, Alec Can had suffered an injury at Columbus, so Kyle Renish started the San Jose game. It was a wild game. Uh, Atlanta United won four to two. Uh, they went ahead, and then they would fall behind. And went ahead and fall behind. Uh, it was a crazy game. Then they went to Orlando City. This was a much-anticipated game because of the alleged rivalry between the two teams, even though they're six and a half hours apart. Uh, the rivalry escalated with the purchase of a billboard by Atlanta United in downtown Orlando. They cleared it with Orlando's front office first to make sure this was cool. But Orlando City's fans didn't take it very well. Uh, they came down there. Orlando City's fans just had a... It was a profane chant throughout the game. It was picked up by the television stations. It was ridiculous. I later learned that Orlando City was fined or at least reprimanded for their fans' behaviors in this game. Um, it, it was a tough game. Orlando City had a lot of great chances. Atlanta United had a few good chances. But then Hector Viaba unleashed a 30-yard rocket uh, to win the game, uh, one to nothing uh, in the 86th minute. It moved Atlanta United up. or I'm sorry, they stayed in fourth after the win at San Jose and moved up to fourth. So now they're at first in the playoff picture. They host Orlando City again the following week. Orlando City takes a 1-0 lead uh, in the first half. Atlanta United can't crack them, can't crack them, can't, can't, can't crack them. And then suddenly Emil Assad connects with uh, Hector Viaba, who scores again. Uh, this time in the 92nd minute to pull out the 1-1 draw. Atlanta United stays in fifth. And Orlando City's season continues to spiral. Then Atlanta United goes to Sporting KC. It looks like they're going to lose one to nothing on a goal by Benny Fellhaber. But Jacob Peterson, who is coming back from his own injury, uh, pokes one in in the 91st minute for a big draw, keeps the team in fifth. Sporting KC is a nice stadium. It's kind of way out in the middle of nowhere, uh, but great front office, uh, great stadium. I don't know if I would recommend a road trip there unless you can actually go to Kansas City, but a nice place to go. The team followed that up with the DC United again. And a loss on an own goal again, one to nothing. This dropped them down to seventh out of the playoff picture. They go to Philadelphia. This was a huge road trip. They thought they could get six points from this road trip. They ended up getting just one. And that one came courtesy of a Tyrone Mears header uh, to tie the game 2 2. I uh, love Philadelphia, great city. If you haven't gone, I hope you get to go. I hope you get to go to a road trip there with Atlanta United. Fantastic stadium. Um, they'll be back next year, Philadelphia. They had a rough season this year. Then came the opener of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which, of course, was supposed to happen way back in March, then in June or July. Didn't open until uh, September 10th against Dallas. Struggling Dallas, uh, but Atlanta United took full advantage of the larger size of the pitch. Uh, it's 115 uh, was it by 75 as opposed to 110 by 70 at Bobby Dodd uh, to win three to nothing. Uh, they just ran Dallas out of the building, followed that by absolutely thrashing New England, seven to nothing, held the Revs without a shot. Uh, first time in MLS history that had occurred. Uh, Martinez with another hat trick, walks with a goal, Kratz with a free kick, Assad with a goal, Viaba with a goal. They followed that up against a fired up Orlando City team uh, with a 3 3 draw. Martinez with another hat trick. Orlando scored off 
of a couple of really good crosses coming in. Atlanta United didn't have Leandro Gonzalez Perez in that game, uh, which made a difference. The noise in Mercedes Benz, this was the first time we were able to hear the noise uh, because it's soundproof glass for the press box. Um, but they were able to pipe in through the PA system the noise of the stadium. Just a fantastic environment for that game. Uh, then they beat four, they beat Los Angeles four to nothing to move up to fourth again. Uh, beat Montreal two to nothing to move up to third. Beat Philadelphia three to nothing to move up to third. Then they go to Foxborough at New England. I figured this was going to be a tough game. I figured the team was going to be running out of gas at this point, and they were running out of gas. Martino admitted it. He changed the formation, changed the tactics in Foxborough, which is just a horrible place to go watch a soccer game. Football lines all over the field. Bob Kraft, he won't listen to this podcast. He likely doesn't care. He obviously doesn't care. But they got to fix the field. they got to get them their own stadium. It's an embarrassment for soccer to be played on, on a football field with all the lines and everything. It's way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, anyway, it ended up being a 0-0 draw. Uh, the funny part about that night was uh, it took like an hour for, or 45 minutes for me to get a lift ride because it was so far out in the middle of nowhere there were no drivers. Uh, and it was cold, but that's okay. That's first world problems, and I got over that pretty fast. Then they came and played a fired-up Minnesota United squad. Of course, you remember, they won 6-1 to one the first time. Minnesota United came back and behind Abu Dhabi, uh won 3-2. Um it was a it was a big game. Uh, Atlanta United stayed in third, but it was a signal that things weren't quite right. Then they went to New York Red Bulls, uh, tied that 0-0. Jesse Marsh, of course, had the bizarre accusation after the game that Atlanta United's players were kicking his players and were being told to do so by Atlanta United, which they denied and Marsh never provided proof of. Then the 2-2 draw against Toronto, the huge Sebastian Giovinco free kick, uh, of course, proved a, a gigantic difference uh, in that game. Uh, it kept Atlanta United from a second seed. Of course, they played Columbus. I did not have a good feeling about the Columbus game. I didn't, I'll be honest now, I didn't think Atlanta United was going to beat Columbus. I went on the radio stations and said I thought they would uh, because I was kind of holding out that percentage chance. But I knew Columbus was playing well and Atlanta United wasn't. And unfortunately, Columbus pulled it out in penalty kicks, unfortunately for Atlanta United supporters. Now, I do want to talk about a couple of the people that I met uh, during my adventures. The first game at Columbus we were sitting in the press box, and of course it's mostly Columbus fans, except for this guy and his girlfriend or wife sitting right in front of us who wore a red and black Atlanta United jersey, a white Atlanta United hat, and a scarf, had a big bushy beard and sunglasses, and he was the entertainer. All game long, he was giving it to Columbus fans. He was blowing kisses like he was a professional wrestler. He was telling people to sit down. It was all good nature. You could tell he wasn't being mean about it. Uh, but I, I dubbed him Bearded Fan on Twitter. Have tried forever to find out who he was. Still have no idea who he was. If you know of somebody who was at that Columbus game uh, and is similar to this guy, a little bit heavy set, big old bushy brown beard uh, with his wife, dark hair, that was just funny. Uh, other people that I met, the flight attendant Haley, I think was, or Harley, was on the way back from uh, Columbus. Uh, she was super nice. Uh, the players seemed to like her a good bit. Uh, she went up and down the aisle just talking to her. Uh, so that was kind of a fun moment. Uh, the U.S. Open Cup game at Miami, sitting in the airport, I am fairly certain that an actress from the adult 
industry was sitting beside me uh, at the at the hangar. I have no idea who she might have been. It was just a hunch on my part based upon certain characteristics that I'm not going to go into here. Uh, the donuts in Portland, unbelievably good. I hope you get a chance to do the donuts in Portland. Uh, who are some of the other fun people that I met? Uh, going back to Charleston. Uh, the food in Charleston is fantastic. Uh, met a bunch of nice people there, including some that I'm still friends with on Facebook and still interact with, so that's kind of cool. Um, but those are some of my memories of the season. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. It's called Southern Fried Soccer. I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. I hope you'll... Uh, Follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And make sure you're a subscriber to myajc.com. Uh, that's where a lot of the good content is. And I hope you had good memories of the season. If you want to share yours in the comment section below, that would be fantastic. I hope you have a great day. And I'm going to close you out with the best band in the world, The Clash and London Calling. Take care. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.